0: by example no matter what we think you know we know by you know people talking and people telling you things but that's really not how we learn we learn by the things that we see you learn by example so if I'm watching you hmm she's been doing that for a while hmm she's lost a bit of weight her skin looks amazing I hmm. wonder Hmm. Okay. Well, she always comes with that for lunch. And then they try that at home. They don't tell you that they tried it, but they tried it. And then they start a small conversation with you. Oh, okay, so she's vegan. Then they go home and they look it up. But you're still minding your plate. And in doing that, you're teaching and you're giving someone permission to figure out how life works for them. Because it's an individual journey that we're all on. We're all on an individual journey. And through that individual journey, we make connections with one another. But what do you want your connection to look like with someone else? What is the lasting impression that you want to have on someone? So mind your plate.
1: Hi everyone, and welcome to the Eat Real to Heal podcast. I am your host, Nicolette Richet, and it has been a full year since we launched this show. And I'm super excited to announce that we have tens of thousands of listeners. We have had people listen to our podcast and get a inspired by the content that we've provided, the healing hero stories of people who have used food as medicine to reverse their chronic diseases, and the scientists and doctors that we've had on our show to talk about the fact that we have had the knowledge, published medical knowledge, showing that food is medicine for the last 150 to 200 years. And not only that, but we've also had the institutional knowledge, the community knowledge, the individual knowledge that food is medicine. And that goes back millions and millions and millions of years. So I am all about evidence-based medicine. I am all about the N of one studies, so the anecdotal, because there's a lot that we can learn from that human who had a disease that decided to take their health into their own hands. They decided to do something different than the norm and they got results. Now, of course, we can't go out there and say, this causes that or whatever that individual did will cause 100% guaranteed that outcome. But what it does allow us to do is to be able to get curious, to learn, to understand that there just might be another way. So if you are new to the show and you think that when you get diagnosed with a chronic disease, that the only options for you are surgery, medication, Uh, radiation, or any other type of treatment that your doctor tells you about. And if they do not mention the fact that diet is responsible for 90% of your disease, in most cases, in 95% of chronic disease cases, your diet is responsible for that disease. And if your doctor is not inspiring you to look at your diet and to make those changes, or if you're not inspired to do it, you want to rethink, you want to stop everything you're doing, pick up a book like the China study, watch a documentary like Game Changers or Forks Over Knives or What the Health. And you want to just get curious and learn and see if you can do something in addition to what you're already planning on doing to manage or treat your disease because your diet is so important. And everything we teach on our show is about using real food as medicine to reverse your disease, whether it's diabetes, infertility, heart disease, an autoimmune disorder of some kind, like MS or Crohn's disease, um, or diabetes, which type two diabetes, which is an autoimmune disorder, as is type one. Um, if it's infertility and you want to have a baby, and you have not considered your diet first and foremost as being part of your treatment plan, then you need to consider it. So really excited to announce that it. it's been a year and we have so many great episodes coming up this coming year. I'm thrilled to be doing that. This was a, off the side of our desk thing. We really didn't have time to do it, but we decided to put the podcast together because we had too many remarkable stories that we needed to share with the world. So I'm so glad that we did it because it's been so much fun. I've learned an incredible amount about the world of podcasting and interviewing guests and I really hope you enjoy this upcoming show. On our show today, we are, I'm interviewing Tamara Currington from Vegan Soul Sisters. This is a beautiful story of a mother of two children who two years ago decided to open up her heart, open up her knowledge, that she has so much knowledge, and to be a source of inspiration and education. To a few people, just to share this journey she went through in finding food um, as an important part of her daughter's treatment protocol, and she decided to open up the world of V Curious, so vegan curious and being veganish and also being vegan, and what that meant um, to her. And in so doing, in about a year and a half to two years, she generated a following of forty-five thousand individuals she actually has up to sixty thousand individuals amongst all her platforms which is i mean it's mind-blowing to me because i've been doing this work for so long and even with the work that i do with clients helping them to reverse their disease um i still haven't figured out the online piece you know how do we get people to go to our instagram site and like our page and not And if they do that, how do we get them to come back and engage in the page? I tend to have a lot of clients who are, you know, so busy focusing on their illness uh, that they don't really pop their head up to engage in social media. But that's because of me, because I haven't necessarily created that environment. But Tamara literally has the art and science on how to do that. So she's going to share with us how she feels that, you know, she went around or the skills that she had to be able to do that. Uh, She's very humble. She's very passionate about plant-based whole food eating as well as a vegan lifestyle. She is, you know, she exudes warmth and compassion that literally overflows. So I really hope that you um enjoyed this podcast and share it with others because the Vegan Soul Sisters is really a community for women of color. It is a community for women to gather together and discuss all the ups and downs and trials and tribulations of learning about food and diets and food as medicine and what it means to be vegan and there's just so much good rich information in the show so please listen share it with people in your community who want an incredible foundation platform a home away from home where they can communicate about this this beautiful 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 stuff that Tamara is about to share with you but before we dive into the episode with Tamara let's talk about our 22 million campaign because it is really exciting it's probably the most exciting thing I've ever done in my entire life i mean i've yes had three children and birthed three children and I'm raising three children. And that is very, very exciting, but you know, it wasn't definitely hard days, tough days, but not like what this 22 million campaign really is going to be like for me because I'm going to be getting on my bike and running as well. So running and biking 2,200 kilometers from Pemberton, British Columbia, all the way down to California. My intention is to show up on Oprah's doorstep because Oprah interviewed Charlotte Gerson and many of you know that Charlotte Gerson is my mentor. She trained me 12 years ago on the Gerson therapy, which I now teach to my clients to get these incredible results of disease reversal in multiple different chronic disease areas. And Charlotte was my mentor and she was interviewed by Oprah as well. And in that interview, I mean, she was able to convince Oprah on how important the Gerson therapy was and the work she was doing. And the story goes that Oprah said, you know what, I'm not going to eat meat anymore. And she said this on, you know, national news and it got out. And then Oprah really faced these court cases. Now I need to look into this more. Uh, I've heard this directly from the Gerson family and it's a remarkable story because it really shows the power of the food lobbies to come in after someone like oprah right like sure maybe it was slander for her to say that i was never gonna that she's never gonna eat meat again but at the same time it's, you know, what about free speech? What does that say about free speech? What does it say about the power of the food lobbies to come in and to try and suppress somebody's voice? So it's really empowerful, important for me on so many levels to do this race because it's not just about meeting Oprah, but it's also even more important than that. It's about all the stops we're going to make along the way with this 2200 kilometer bike ride and run where I'll be stopping and educating Uh, all these people in hospitals and community centers and universities and high schools and elementary schools and plant-based restaurants. So we're going to have a tour set up. Um, I hope you come join us if you're on the West Coast. Come join us on this tour, whether it's to ride or run or just attend one of our workshops. If you know somebody on the West Coast, let them know what we're doing because we want to get the word out. Obviously we're also raising money. So we have an incredible campaign that we are just launching and that is at fundraiser.com. And our campaign is called 22 million strong, and you can go in there and donate. And when you donate, we will give you our, um, $22, incredible course that teaches you all about reversing disease. We have five different courses that we're going to be launching um, there, and you get that as part of donating. We also have many other incredible gifts, like our RAW program, which is our Richer at Work program, where we go into corporations and teach people how to use cooked food, raw food, uh, plant-based whole foods as medicine to reverse disease, so they can increase their their employees, can increase their, their ability to function and be creative and love their work and operate at their peak potential now what kind of employer wouldn't want that for their employees but more importantly what this means in the corporate world is that we have a community so in every company there'll be multiple employees all doing this work together and it's when you form community that you get real results so the results that we get in our corporate programs is that we help people lose weight reverse their diabetes and heart disease panic attack um, symptoms anxiety symptoms their depression their other autoimmune disorders and their other chronic diseases and that's really important for us because we need to work together and support each other in achieving these kinds of of goals and results of optimal health. So go to our campaign 22M Strong for 22 million strong, which represents the fact that we are going to educate 22 million people by 2030 on how to use food as medicine to reverse chronic degenerative diseases. And we're going to be tracking all of those case studies as well. So let's jump into this podcast without further ado. Let's welcome Tamara Currington from Vegan Soul Sisters, and I really, really really hope you enjoy this show, and if you do, please share it with others. Thanks for now, and see you at the end of the show, bye. Hi everyone, and welcome to the Eat Real to Heal show. I am so honored to have Tamara Currington from Georgia Stone Mountain of Vegan Soul Sisters on our show. Welcome, or thank you for being here, Tamara. Thank you so much for having me. Now, Tamara, the reason why I wanted to have you on the show and I was so inspired to do this is because I've been following the work that you've been doing with Vegan Soul Sisters for a couple years now. And really where it started from was that we had a webinar running for our Eat Real to Heal program. And what happened is that um, a number of the vegan soul sisters, the women who are in your group, um, they started responding. And that was for, you know, I'm based in Western Canada. We don't have a lot of African Americans in Western Canada, mostly in Toronto and definitely like nothing what you see in the United States. Um, Mm
0: -hmm. You know,
1: because that's the history of, you know, African Americans that migration from, um, an involuntary migration, really, at the time from Africa to the United States, and then slowly from the United States into Canada. And then the West Coast was the last place to get developed. Um, and so and so, we don't see a lot of African Americans. So it actually really stood out to me in my newsfeed. Um, but the thing that stood out to me as well was the fact that a lot of the comments coming through were really they were amazing because everybody was so engaged, just like they're engaged in Vegan Soul Sisters. But there was also a lot of discussion around price points as well, which really hit home for me because it made me realize that, you know, when we're creating a course, sitting in our office, thinking about the community that we live in, and I live in a community that is predominantly Caucasian, like it is very, um, you know, you don't see, a ton of diversity here. And so then it, it stopped me, actually. It made me realize, I'm like, who are we forgetting about, right? Who are, you know, not just from a cultural perspective, but a language perspective as well. Like what languages are we, you know, we teach in English, but, you know, there's Chinese populations and then, you know, there's Spanish populations in right. the United States and our work's not reaching them. So that made our whole entire organization rethink the way we move forward from price point to language, to absolutely everything. And then I jumped into your group and I couldn't believe it. There were 45,000 members in your group. And I figured you had been around forever, like slowly growing this group, but you actually only launched in 2018, correct?
0: This is true. Um, I'm still shocked every day that I go into the group group um it and it continues to grow at least a thousand new members a week that is
1: amazing and that is Mm -hmm. I mean you could be teaching business courses on this if you were able to pinpoint the way you did it so do you know how your group grew so fast like like maybe let's pinpoint this here (laughs)
0: um to be quite honest I don't um I I I, I started the group and I did a considerable amount of research to see how groups grow. Um, I joined a bunch of groups to see like what time span it took them to get to their membership level. Um, and, and I just, in as a part of being in other groups, I learned what I didn't like. And so when I came back to my group, I made sure to implement certain things or to not allow certain things um uh, and I, I wish that I could take a lot of credit for it, but I honestly can't. I I think that really this is one of those times where it was just timing. Um and and I don't want to say solely timing, but it's also the fact that uh I am very hands-on in the group and I have been since day one. And so I try to cultivate the type of energy that makes people wanna stay, uh a sense of sisterhood, family. Uh, Where you can come and kind of, you know, take your, your unmentionables off and remove your hair and get comfortable and kick up your feet and not fear judgment. Um, And so I hope that, that that's what people get from it. Yeah, I would definitely say that
1: because your group is so approachable and I even love the fact that you're called Vegan Soul Sisters, but you also often mention the word vegan-ish. So it's not that you need to be vegan to do it, but it's you need to be vegan curious even. And so it's about inviting members into the community. And like you said, like with no judgment, And, you know, and with warm, loving arms, and then they're in the group and you want, like, there's so much engagement in your group, like any other entrepreneurs out there who are listening to this, like, you know, there's so much engagement. And that's what every entrepreneur wishes that they had in their groups. And you have that, like, you've created a family and a community where people truly can be themselves. So I think you definitely need to um, congratulate yourself for doing that. And I don't think it's all timing. I don't think it's all timing either because you see people like definitely, you know, there's never been a better time to talk about, you know, vegan food and plant-based whole food. But I mean, you were doing this in 2018 way before game changers came out. And I also think it's, you're just, your incredible warm personality as well like that and your humor. You have a lot of humor in the group and I think humor goes a long way in such a
0: sensitive topic, right? Food. Right. And, and I think that was one of the things that was important to me. In other groups, uh, the, the team of admins didn't seem very involved. You didn't necessarily know who was an admin, who created the group. Um, you, the, the passion for it was lost. And if I've learned anything, it is that um, people will get behind a good visionary. Uh, even if they don't, they may not always know where you're headed, um, but if there are certain things that they latch onto, they'll follow you. Oftentimes, like, I don't understand why, um, but um, I think that I'm just a really down-to-earth person, and I encourage other people to be that way. And I do say vegan-ish or be curious because I think oftentimes, especially those who are curious but don't know a whole lot about the vegan world, they can be off-put sometimes by the conversations that vegans have. Um, especially though, our ethical sisters and I love them all just the same, but when you're passionate about something, you're mm-hmm. passionate about it. And sometimes that gets misconstrued or misunderstood. And so, um, it was important for me to create a space where we could all coexist under the same space, mm-hmm. understanding that whether or not your goal is health solely or because you are super concerned about the planet and the animals, at some point, even if you start from the health perspective, you find your way to the ethical perspective, because it all just starts to make sense to you. So if we can create an environment where you can come in and still gnaw on a chicken bone while you're figuring it out, at some point you'll figure it out. Yeah. Um, and you'll figure out how it works for you, and that's what's important to me, you having the opportunity to come in where you are without judgment and figure out what works for you mm-hmm. and have the support that you need along that journey. so that's I hope really I'm successful at that.
1: Yeah, that's. I mean, you hit the nail on the head with that, and that is amazing. And um, you reminded me of a podcast I just listened to. I just had forgotten about it, but it was just last night, and it was Sarah Silverman, and you know the the comedian, actress, and mm-hmm. and political activist. And she has a new podcast out where that's exactly what she actually brings people with very opposing views together onto her podcast. And she says once you meet and start chatting. She tries to look for that one common element. And once you find that common element, all of a sudden you become friends and there's love Mm -hmm. that expands from that. And it doesn't matter that you have different views. It doesn't matter if you are, I love how you say, gnawing on a chicken bone while you're trying to figure out like, what can I be eating to support my health or to protect the planet or to protect the animals or whatever your values are. Um, you know, I love that. That so, yeah. You've you've done something really magical with Vegan Soul Sisters, and I really just can't wait to see like where it goes from here because it's been truly amazing. Um, so with Vegan Soul Sisters, can we go back and can you tell me why you created it in the first place? Why did you create this group?
0: Yeah. So in, uh, my now twenty-two-year-old daughter uh, became pregnant uh, in. 2015 I think um and she delivered a beautiful baby girl and uh, during that time or right after delivery uh, she was diagnosed with uh, postpartum uh, congestive heart failure or it's cardiomyopathy actually Mm -hmm. Um, postpartum cardiomyopathy uh and um And at that time, it wasn't horribly bad. Uh, And she became pregnant again a year or two, a year and a half later or something. Uh, And it was during that time that her heart function decreased even more. Um, And so I started researching ways to uh, strengthen her heart uh, with that were a little bit more holistic because when I started researching and looking up the medicine she was taking, I was thinking, well, if the congestive heart failure doesn't negatively impact her leading to death, then the medicines will. Because after prolonged use, they're so hard on your body, like the water pills and all of the things that she has to take to make sure that she's not retaining a bunch of fluid Um, it ends up affecting your kidneys and so on and so forth and so I was looking for a holistic approach to it and I watched What the Hell and that kind of started me on this journey of looking for documentaries that supported the ideas that seemed like they were making sense in What the Hell concerning eating whole food plant-based and so I talked to her and I was like, well, I think that, you know, cutting out meat and dairy is going to be really uh, a a game changer for you. I think it's going to help with your heart function. And so uh, I said, well, I'll start and then you can watch me and that'll give me some time to, you know, kind of figure out how it works and then you can join me. So I started and uh, she joined me and about a month after that, I was like, I joined a bunch of vegan groups. And I was thinking that there were changes that I was experiencing as a woman, like my cycle was changing. And um, I was having a lot more gas and like, those new transition symptoms um, that everyone experiences. And I wanted to talk about them, but not in shared space with men. So I was like, I want a group for just women. And then furthermore, I'd like a group for just women of color because the conversation was even different inside of other groups. Yeah. And so for whatever reason, I didn't think, well, let me just look for what I want because I know it's out there. I was like, I'm just going to create it. So I did. Um, and here we are uh, two years later. So I, I created the group, um, to support my daughter, uh, health changes to become more healthy. Uh, it's, it has been beneficial to her. However, uh, her heart at the time of transitioning was already in such a weak state that she was unable to avoid some other health stuff. So she ended up over the two year span having four strokes oh, wow. and, um, and a brain bleed actually today is the anniversary of of, uh, last year she had a a brain bleed Um, and so how is she doing now uh she is doing okay Uh, she's doing well they have her on a new medicine uh, and we are she's in and out of eating plant-based uh you know it's she knows that it's right for her, but she's young. And so I know that there's a lot of things that run through her head, having congestive heart failure, having the strokes, just being 22 years old, having the sense of wanting to just be a normal 22 year old, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I'm sure there's this back and forth that goes on in her head, but she's on a new medicine, which um, is actually has her feeling and looking a lot better. Um And so my my hope for her, her, she and I discussed it is that if we could at least get her heart function within the 50% range, then she can, um, begin to transition back into eating whole food plant-based. It just wasn't enough because her heart function was entirely too low. She was at 10%. And right. so this was one of those, one of those situations where, um, you know, medicine was absolutely oh, a, yeah. a need in order to To get her from one stage to the next so but she's good she does have some brain damage on both sides of her brain because the first two were on the left side the second two were on the right side but what she has in her favor is youth Mm -hmm. um so it's been interesting to to learn and understand the brain through her experience Uh, it's quite resilient um especially when you have youth to back it so she's doing
1: well Oh, that's good to hear. That is really good to hear. And that's an amazing story. And even as you describe it, I mean, you, you know, it's easy, I think, for our listeners to hear the the compassion that you have and the patience that you have and that openness to, you know, figuring out what's right for your daughter and knowing that, you know, she is twenty two. Because it's hard being a mom, right? Like I mean, I have three girls and you know, they hear me talk about food a lot and the power of food to heal the body. And, but they also hear me talk about medicine a lot. Like there's a time and a place and you need to be open to it where some people are quite fanatical where they're like, absolutely no drugs, you know, where it has to be 100% this way or 100% that way. And that's hard when you're parenting as well, right? Because you have these other beings that have their own
0: opinions at 22. Right, right, right. And I want to give her the space to, be 22 you know so we we talk a lot um about you know her thought process and making decisions that support her being here you know it's it's one thing to be 22 and make callous decisions that may not impact you in the moment but when you have um health issues such as hers you you can't there's only so much you know and so um just encouraging her to be careful about riding the line. And it's scary as as mom, yeah. you know, sitting there and, and it's interesting. But she's well. Oh good. she's it's well. good.
1: Yeah. It's a journey for us, right? Watching their journey is the journey for us so that we have to take in. But now you're not only a mama to this daughter, but you're like a mama to forty five, forty eight, I think it's like up to forty eight thousand or something. You know, um, vegan soul sisters as well because they're in that site and they're asking lots of questions and they are you know so you're you're doing a lot right now like and you are also planning an event right called collard greens and cord bread a soulful wellness experience i love the name of that so tell us about this
0: event and why you wanted to put that together so um what i wanted to do was create an event much, really, the simplest way I can put it is I wanted to take the energy from the group and bring it into reality. So I want um, an event that um, teaches people um, nutritional health, um, gives them options, um, that allows them to come and get the answers that they need, ask the questions that they have and um, in a fun space that is non-judgmental and um, is not necessarily catered to just veganism um, and I say that simply because I don't want to ostracize anyone. I don't want anyone to feel like they cannot be a part of it because they're not vegan um, or because they don't know anything about eating whole food plant-based. So uh, it's really just um, taking that energy from the group and, and bringing it out into the real world was my idea and reaching out to people who don't necessarily have this information readily available to them. Um, in communities um, where this information just doesn't quite make it to and um, and and have it presented by people in a language that is easy for our community to understand because there is a difference. Uh, and I think that that's, um, it's well worth pointing out that there's a difference. The language is different. Um, and even oftentimes, the, the motivation behind uh, the curiosity is different. Mm-hmm. And so uh, those are the people that, that I, I want to reach out to.
1: What do you think are one of the biggest motivations that, that you would say for, like? do you know like, the population of, of the Vegan Soul Sisters, are they mostly in the Southern states or from all over the states, all over the world? Like where are they? Mostly... They're literally
0: all over the world. Um, we've wow. got folks from the continent of Africa we've got some folks in Asia um, it, yeah they're literally all over the world
1: that's amazing and has everyone predominantly um even though you know you might have somebody in Asia, but would they be I would guess would you say African Chinese? I've never even thought about that before or are they
0: yeah they would be, or, or they are, maybe they're American, but they are stationed in Asia or they are doing some work in Asia. Um, so we, most of the group is, um, are, um, brown skin people, but, um, we also have Latinas. Um, we also have Filipinas. We have a, so anyone with melanin basically. Right. Oh, I um, like that. That's a good
1: way of putting it.
0: Yeah. Anyone with melanin. Yeah. And
1: so so what are one of the biggest motivators then from, you know, for going vegan? Have you found through the group? Like, I know there's lots of different reasons. We talk about the main three generally in the vegan communities. You hear, you know, hear that it's for animal rights. You hear about it for health and for the environment. But, you know, what are some of the other reasons um, that you've come across
0: uh, primarily the biggest, um, uh, reason I see within the group is health. Mm-hmm. Uh, people are, are either they have some conditions that they're trying to reverse or they know a family member who has conditions that they, that they'd like reverse, Um, or they just realize that, um, food is a much better way, uh, to, Maintaining good health uh, and that it's probably better to do it on the front end than to worry about it on the back end when you 're in the hospital um, emergency room, so I, I would say that health is is the biggest reason yeah, and especially when you're
1: you know there's a whole history and for anybody who's listening to our podcast, um, you know and again, even when you look at the lineup of health podcasts that are out there it's predominantly. Caucasian people who have these podcasts. It's not a lot of African American podcasters out there. We need way more. We need more people talking about the social determinants of health and the cultural, um, the culture and the history as well amongst people of color because of the fact that that really plays into why health is where it is at, you know, in these communities because of the fact that the history is so entwined with that as well. So, you know, mm-hmm. we talk in Canada, we often talk about indigenous cultures and Aboriginal cultures and first nations, you know, so we're talking. And, and even then, I mean, there's so much ignorance there around the history of what happened to the first nations people um, in Canada, but even in the United States, I know for a fact, like I went to university in Mississippi and there was so much ignorance just around slavery and even how, Africans first originated and came to Canada as well. And so, but knowing the traumas that were um, endured and how those traumas get passed down from generation to generation and how that affects income status, how it affects health, how that affects education, how that affects, I mean, absolute relationships, how it affects everything. And these are important. We need more African Americans, you know, hosting podcasts to talk about this, to educate people about this because it's so important that we weave in the whole story and not just say oh well you're unhealthy and you're unhealthy just because
0: you don't eat well it's much much deeper than that right 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 absolutely um and i think that there's so much that we don't even understand about our own history as it concerns food um and it's so much has been lost uh and i think You know, one of the things that we've learned is that you know we eat so unhealthy because of our ancestors and soul food, and they ate unhealthy, and but that really isn't the truth. Um, They didn't eat the way that we eat today. Uh, um, Meat was not a staple on the table because it we didn't have access to meat like that, and so meat was generally used for seasoning, and you know, like today. You, someone cooks a pot of greens and everybody has um, a whole ham hock or, or turkey leg, you know, there's one for each family member. But that wasn't the case then. Um, and so I think that it's all, all of that is important, understanding our, our history as it pertains to nutrition and how we got to this place. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and even un, and unpacking all of that, because we, we like the transition of getting here you know, when we were in better times, we didn't sometimes we didn't make the best decisions. And, you know, because we were able to buy certain things that mom and dad weren't able to buy before. So now we can. Um, but I think it's important not to demonize the beginnings. Um, and I think it's important to to really understand uh, where the where that came from in relation to yourself as well, because uh, a lot of that lends to emotional eating and the way that people perceive food and nutrition. Um, and so it's, it's such a much bigger story and a much bigger picture than I think we, we are really aware of. So. Yeah.
1: yeah, there's so many incredible stories um, that could be really shared to help everybody understand, you know, um, understand that interconnectedness of everything around food because it is the one thing we all do collectively. Most people who have who do have access to food will eat three meals a day. I mean, people living in extreme poverty might be eating one meal a day, if that. And we know that poverty affects Canada. It affects um, the United States. We I taught in a school where children, you know, in a very wealthy, wealthy part of um, Vancouver. And kids would come to school without any lunch every single day. They had no lunch. So they had to start a hot lunch program to be able to provide the kids just with the food. So they, and they didn't come to school with breakfast either. Like they didn't eat at home. And so they were maybe eating, we would hope they were eating a meal at night. And so, you know, having being able to talk about the context of food as a system right everything is interconnected and we need definitely more of those stories interwoven and that's what i love about podcasting it's a way it's it's oral history it's oral storytelling it's oral tradition being passed down from from person to person so yeah there's lots of work that needs to happen there but you are part of that movement with vegan soul sisters in that you know communicating the importance of food now there is something that you brought up that i loved is that it, it, it's true. Meat was used as seasoning or it was garnish, not even garnish, but it was for flavoring. Um, and and when I just visited Africa, I visited my grandmother and we were in her village. And that's where I was born. And I moved here when I was four years old to Canada, but my mom was raised in this village. It had no electricity, it had no water. And that's still how my grandmother, you know, was living up until she passed away last year at 92. But, you know, the people in her village were healthy and you saw the difference between what, you know, vegetarian plant-based food is in the United States and Canada versus what vegetarian vegan plant-based food is in Africa. Like there's no Mm. packaging. My grandmother didn't have a fridge. So nobody had a fridge in the village. So everything you ate, you would grow it in the garden and then you would, you know, steam it or cook it in water or, you know, add some herbs and spices that were grown in the same garden. And there was, you know, you'd maybe maybe kill a chicken or a goat um, for a ceremony, like only if it was a very special occasion, holiday, and it was very um, ceremonial. So there's this piece, and I don't know if you see that, but I see it in Canada and Indigenous communities where you go and you get Indigenous cookbooks, and they have things like bannock and lots of like huge steaks and buffalo meat and all of these things and that they're saying well this is like an indigenous diet but i'm like that's not an indigenous diet that's a pre-industrial diet and i imagine it's the same thing in with african-american cookbooks as well like when you look at it that it's a modernized versions it's not the true real food that people were eating in africa the whole right it's
0: it's not and it's really not even the true food that we were eating when we got here as slaves like we ate from the land we didn't even have access to that so um, and I think that I don't know where that education came from that that is how we ate because it certainly um, is not how we ate and that way of eating is relatively new to be truthful it's relatively new
1: It is like within the last 50, 60 years, like we didn't see diabetes amongst African Americans at the rates until industrialized food came along. And now you see comedians, like, and I don't know how you feel about this, but this drives me crazy when I see comedians, you know, laughing about, you know, fried chicken being, you know, African American cultural food. And I'm like, "Eh, it's not really, you know like fried chicken is eaten by just as many Caucasians as it is eaten by, you know, African Americans. So, but it, I mean, this is what's being portrayed in the media and this needs, like, we need to put a stop to this and comedians need to put a stop to this. And, you know, just the way we talk about it, because we're not going to be able to change the dialogue and then change our actions around food until we change the story of like what really was true real food that we ate right which like you said is food from the land because we didn't have access to this garbage food that's being presented to us now so that brings me to a a really it's one of the things that I do see in the group a lot and health comes up, but I also see in the group and it's no judgment at all, but you do see when people are, you know, vegan curious or vegan curious and how that first step it seems that people take are to the packaged processed vegan food versus the plant-based whole food. And I mean, I know, you know, a lot about nutrition. I know you've researched this a lot, even for your daughter as well. So how do, how do you handle that in the group? when
0: you see a lot of the postings like that so what i do um or what i try to do is encourage people to um to stay where they are so if your transition is you're coming in because the thing is that eating is it's social it's it's tied to so many other things um even the flavor of something generally is tied to memory or tied to some type of social event so when people are transitioning what they're looking for is that thing that reminds them of a thing mm. and so you when you it's not because once you get away from that because generally they always do Uh, once you get away from that, then you realize, well, there's nothing special about hamburger. There's nothing special about chicken because those meats unseasoned are just flesh cooked unseasoned, right? Um, And so once you, once you learn that seasonings and herbs and spices and those are the things that make your dishes come alive but in the beginning you are looking for what you know in the beginning you're looking to to replace what you're giving up and so you're looking for something that's reminiscent of a burger um, and so on and so forth so when they first come in I let them do what they're doing um, most of the time they figure out that they don't like a lot of the the processed food um, and or they figure out that after a while that the sodium content is extremely high and so they begin to weed it out for themselves I think I try to really try to take it like um, raising children you tell your children don't do a thing because it's not good for them because it's unhealthy or whatever your reasons may be what do they want to do they're gonna go they want to do it yeah (laughs) they're gonna go do it so saying don't do it because it's not good for you is going to make them want to see what about it isn't good but if you give enough information as in well Cyst, maybe you want to check the sodium content on that. Cause the last time I looked at it, it was pretty high. Um, or maybe this isn't a product that someone with hypertension wants to, um, utilize, um, you know, or are you soy sensitive? Because this product has a lot. Of, so providing the information and allowing them to kind of mm. do the work for themselves and figure out what works for them. And I've it, rarely, I've had women in the group that have been there since day one, many who started with a lot of processed food and 2 years later it's not even a part of their diet anymore. So it it works.
1: That is amazing. That is actually an amazing lesson for so many of us that are teaching about uh if you know nutrition. For me it's a little bit different cuz my clients who come to me they're like I've been diagnosed with diabetes, heart disease, cancer, autoimmune disorder, Crohn's, like, you know, that includes Crohn's disease and diabetes and MS and all, you know, all of these health issues and their prognosis is not good. Like the doctors are like, we're going to have to cut you up because you have endometriosis right through your body, like, you know, tying up, like it, literally their uterus and ovaries and fallopian tubes are in knots as a result of the adhesions from the endometriosis. They've lost their business. Um, they, you know, can't take care of their children because their fibroids are so big. Um, their endometriosis is, is so aggressive. And so it's a little bit different because when I work mm-hmm. with my clients, I'm a li- I, it's actually the very opposite approach. I'm like, okay, we got to cut all that other processed food out. We got to stick to like, the medicine is in the carrots and the potatoes and the collard greens and the corn. And, you know, so we get right to the whole food, right. but that's a little bit different for me. But, um, for other nutritionists who are out there in thinking about education, like, I love your approach tomorrow, because number one, you're with them on the journey, right? It's not just book an appointment, And then I've given you the information, see you later, but you've got to follow them. So you see that evolution as people learn. So I think that's really powerful and knowing that it does Mm -hmm. take time. And for some people, like maybe type A personalities, they're going to jump right in and go cold turkey, so to speak, but other people Mm -hmm. do need to, um, you know, understand all those things that, that they're transitioning away from and transitioning into. And yeah, so that's a very important experience, um, lesson. That, um... Yeah.
0: One of the first things that I, I do tell them is to, I, to identify their why. Mm. Um, if you have a strong why, then when times get tough and you go back to it, that's what keeps you grounded. And oftentimes, um, you know, as you stated, when your clients come see you, if that's a person's why, they tend to not go the junk food route because they realize that that hasn't helped up to this point you know and so it's also incredibly important to point out that whether vegan or not vegan junk food is junk food um but also giving room for that uh you know if you want to have an oreo have an oreo that was like when whenever i'm um, when i first started dieting um, one of the things that was important for me to do was not to limit myself because it's the same concept as as I was saying about telling a child what they can and can't have your brain goes what oh no I'm having that <laughs> and so it's like this fight within yourself but if you just if you say you know what I don't have to eat like the whole pack I can have two then the brain goes hmm, okay, I think I can do that. And so it's kind of just changing the way that you think. And and um, I think one of the other really important things is letting people know that it's definitely almost all in the brain, mm-hmm. like changing anything. It's almost all in the brain. And if you can conquer that, and if you realize that that's it, it's just your brain coming back to you saying, Well, remember that time we had that fried chicken? It was really good. Don't you remember? Oh, remember that time you were feeling sad and you had a piece of cake? Remember how it made you feel afterwards? And so if you can quiet your mind long enough um, and speak back to it and say, well, yeah, I do remember that, but we're doing something different now. And the more you do that, the easier it gets.
1: So true. You just reminded me of back in the days when I used to eat meat, um, this is, I mean, I was pregnant with my oldest. I was like 50, that's 15 years ago. And I remember my girlfriend and I, you know, late at night, we'd go to Wendy's. Yeah. You have Wendy's in the States. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we'd sit in the car and we'd have our two, like both of us pregnant. So we had our big pregnant bellies and, you know, we'd be eating a, um, like crispy, spicy chicken burger. And, um, You know, and we would sit and we would just talk and talk and talk and talk. And it's interesting because that memory is still like every time I see a Wendy's, I actually my I almost I'm like, I'm gonna go drive in. And it's not because I would ever eat the crispy chicken burger, but it's because of the love for my girlfriend that I have so much care for. And it's just I wanna spend time with her, right? And so it just it always goes, Oh yeah, I'm gonna give her a call now because I'm actually just looking for connection. I'm not looking for a crispy chicken. Right, right,
0: right. 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 So that was, that was my, I was saying that most of the time it's tied to a memory or some yeah. type of social event. And I think once you begin to understand that, then that control that food has over you starts to diminish a bit because you realize that it really isn't. I mean, because there are 500,000 macaroni and cheese recipes. And everyone claims that theirs is the best. And yours is only the best because mom made it, or Big Mama made it, or Nana made it. And you can remember sitting in your room and smelling the cheese and going and looking in the oven and watching it bubble up as she was standing at the sink pulling greens. That's why it's so good to you. Mm So it's just something to consider.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The memory. And you know, if that person is still in your life, then I encourage you to pick up the phone and call that person and just be like, I'm thinking about you. I'd love some time with you. And, you know, yes. and, and one of the things that we do, we have a campaign called PS I love you. And, um, and I'm, and I'm sure that you see this all the time, right? Tamara is that when somebody gets diagnosed with an illness, everybody starts like telling them, well, you got to change your diet. You got to go vegan. You got to cut out the dairy, cut out the meat. You got to eat more meat. You got to eat more dairy. You got to, you know, like yeah. people just want to tell you what to do. And so we said, no wait, let's right. put a stop to that. And what if when somebody was diagnosed, you just wrote them a love letter and just tell them what you loved about them and why you want them to live why you want them to thrive, why you want them to be healthy. And instead of telling them to eat a certain way, if you feel so strongly that diet is the reason for their illness, then why don't you just go grocery shopping, show up at their house and cook them a healthy meal and eat it with them. Yes. Right? Yes. And what you said about your, you know, like your, your mama in the kitchen, right? Like making that macaroni and cheese. I mean, that's exactly, my mom used to make macaroni and cheese. It was the, literally the best macaroni and cheese in the world, by the way, (laughs) just, just like every other mom's recipe, but, um, (laughs) but you know, as moms, we can be in the kitchen also creating those exact same memories, but with healthier ingredients,
0: right? Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely,
1: and, and so what is that? I mean, I know you, so you have one daughter who's 22. Uh,
0: my daughter's 22 and I have a 25 year old son.
1: Okay. And how is he when it comes to food? Like do they think you're crazy, like talking about food all the time or do they have a lot of respect for you? Like how is that for you to be a mom who runs a social media group and an amazing, like, you know, Vegan Soul Sisters with 45,000 people. And I mean, did they just listen to you and go, okay, sure. I'll do whatever you say, mom. How is that?
0: It's your son. Um, My son? No, he's just, he's like, (laughs) oh yeah, I forgot you're eating grass. So (laughs) he's supportive and like he, you know, he's supportive and he's excited about everything that happens with the group, but he's, not at all interested in being a vegan or eating vegan or any of those things. So I have to, um, on his birthday, his 25th birthday, I felt so honored because he came and spent the night uh, before his birthday with me. And I said, well, I'm cooking you a vegan meal. And he he's like, Oh man. So, but he was a good sport about it. I did, um, some, um, faux fish using eggplants and, um, and a kale salad. And he was, he was good about it. I I filmed him and um, it was funny, but uh, (laughs) he's supportive, just doesn't care to be involved.
1: Right. But at least he's going to eat your meal. And I love that, that you just, you stick, like stick to your values, right? You're like, okay, I guess I could cook him in, you know, a meat dish or, you know, a cheese dish. But instead you're like, no, I'll cook you, like meet you halfway. We can have like a, fish ish dinner with the eggplant Uh instead. So that's, I mean, and that a lot of moms ask me that, and I'm sure they ask you that as well. Well, okay, if I'm going to eat this way, what do I feed my kids?
0: Yeah, I do get asked that a lot. And and so the thing that I, that I tell people is, well, so why, why are you transitioning? Like, why is it important for you to eat whole food plant-based? Oh, for your health okay so you're 40 and you're making this change for your health and you're eating kale but then you're going to take your two-year-old to mcdonald's well i mean let's think about that so um kids they really will do what we do uh, and i come from I come from the generation where you did what you were told to do because you were told to do it and so I raised my kids that way so you ate what I put on your plate because that's what I put on your plate um and so I guess that was my idea even in cooking his birthday dinner it's like this is what I'm cooking and you're eating it um but um I think that. Uh, you know, people are like, well, they're not going to like it, you know, but you have to give them time. Like they will. Uh, And don't overcomplicate things like fruits and vegetables are fun. Mm -hmm. And if you allow them to join you in the kitchen and you make a fun time of it, then it's going to be a little bit easier for them. Um, And, you know, do things that are fun uh, according to their ages smaller um, kids like toddlers like to dip things. So get fruits, um, apples that they can dip in caramel sauce um, that maybe you can make at home or peanut butter, almond butter, um, or some type of dark chocolate fudge. And then with your um, your vegetables, you can do hummus. So it's just, um, I think, in general when transitioning we have a tendency to overcomplicate things mm-hmm. and because we do that it doesn't seem simplistic for our children. And then when you when you start looking at recipes and you know, it's always a hundred seasonings and one of them is fairy dust and you're like what am I gonna do so I know when I first transitioned I went and bought like a hundred dollars worth of seasonings that I used once and I was like what am I gonna do with all of these seasonings I don't even want to eat that dish again because it wasn't good and so (laughs) I I think you know, it's, if we stop overcomplicating you, like you're literally just removing meat from your, from the plate. That's it. Like it's yeah. not spaghetti with no meat, boom, you know, but yeah. we don't think that way. It's like, what am I going to do? What am I going to eat? I don't want to just eat sides all the time. Well, again, going back to retraining the brain, you only think their sides because you were told they're sides. Mm-hmm. Who said they're sides? They're not, they, it's not, they weren't intended to be side. Your vegetable is supposed to be the largest portion on your plate. So how is that a side? Yeah. Retrain the brain.
1: Great. I love that. And you, and that's something that I do because a lot of people will say like, I can't go eat out anymore because, you know, what we teach for being able to reverse disease like diabetes and heart disease and, you know, and, and these autoimmune disorders, it does require getting off the processed refined oils and it does require not having sodium added to the food so that makes it challenging to go out and eat because most chefs in the world do not cook with without refined oil refined salt and refined sugar right like that is what gives the food the flavor in their opinion as opposed to like what you said is that fruits and vegetables are fun and you don't even need all the seasonings you can, can keep it super simple and have it be delicious but chefs just are not trained that way right they're told to like make it extra salty extra sweet and and lots of oils yeah. and so but that is exactly what i do in restaurants when i go out is i don't even look at the the menu i just go straight to the sides and i'll just be like give me like that, you know, Brussels sprouts, the side of carrots, the side of potatoes, the side of that. And that's what makes my meal. It ends up being way cheaper than ordering a dish, right? And the dish is going to be mostly whatever it is, you know, and you end up getting your whole plate of vegetables and you don't have to even eat just a plate of pasta. In fact, you get all the Yeah. So it's just a trick that I use, which has really helped. And the kids love it too, because the food is super tasty. Um, Yeah. So that's, um, that's a really, really good, I think important tip for people is to make your sides, your main dish and to train the brain. Um, I love that. I love that. So in so many good lessons are coming from you, by the way, I just keep thinking you need to write a book like this all needs to go into a book. Um, (laughs) But uh, you can get Tamara by signing up for Vegan Soul Sisters as well. That's how you get access to her. So one of the things that we chatted about in our last conversation, because you and I are going to, we're creating a course um, for the Vegan Soul Sisters and one that really addresses mental health. And you said that that was a pattern that you saw. So let's talk more about that.
0: So um, it's important to me personally, because um, I deal with um anxiety, and depression, and uh, PTSD, and um, panic disorder. So it's personal for me. Mm -hmm. Um, But also, uh, I I was sometime in the summer last year, I made a post about it. Uh, I think I was having a panic attack that day. And I posted, if anyone knew of um, any good, natural um, things that one could take to help with anxiety. And 24 hours later, there were close to a thousand comments wow. of people saying, following, oh my God, I really need this. Um, I I suffer from this. My life is completely different because of this. This is controlling my life. Um, and so, I mean, there were equally as many people saying, you know, this is what I use to help with anxiety, um, so on and so forth. But the post was just so huge mm-hmm. with people who are battling on a day-to-day basis with um, some type of mental health disorder. Um, And so it's really important to me because uh, I think oftentimes we suffer in silence Mm -hmm. because we don't really have a choice. You know, we're mothers, wives, sisters, daughters, Uh, we work, we have responsibilities and who really has time to like have a full on breakdown. Mm -hmm. Uh, You really don't. And unfortunately that, makes things even worse because you don't have the opportunity to decompress or to just kind of fall apart. And it's this, this idea that you always have to be strong. You always have to hold it together. And I know for me that, um, hasn't worked <laughs> in the least. And the the more time you spend doing that, um, and I know for me personally, it has affected me physically. So, from just kind of pushing things down and pushing things down. And, and that part wasn't necessarily on purpose on my, on my part. Um, My daughter has two small children, you know, being, going in and out of the hospital and me just kind of having to show up. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, but as a result of that, uh, the mental strain, uh, it is affecting me physically. And Mm -hmm. so Um, identifying ways that people can address their mental health, uh, through nutrition is super, super important to me. One, because I don't want to live the rest of my life this way. And because I know what it feels like, I don't want anyone else to live the rest of their life that way either. And I, and I don't want to believe that that has to be the case, that one has to live um, in constant um, anxiety and panic for the rest of their lives. It's absolutely no way to live. Um, and so this course is re- I'm really excited about it. Um, I'm excited.
1: That's amazing. Yeah, and I love that you talked about the word strong, right, like because we as mothers, we're in de- the word decompression too, because we as mothers, we are on the go, like, feminism, amazing, but they just forgot one piece is that we still need somebody at home with the kids. Like when the kids get sick, usually mom stays home. You know, so we're working, we're taking care of the children. We know that when the kids are sick, they often do want mom. Um, We, you know, we're the ones who, um, and I've seen this tend to dive into the research a little bit deeper, you know, for our children when things are going on as well. So we stay up late at night. Like a lot of purchasing mm-hmm. decisions are made at two, three in the morning because mm-hmm. we are, you know, worried and anxious and doing research and we want to solve the problems and do that. And, you know, sometimes I'll look over and see my husband sleeping peacefully and be like, how come he's not up worrying about, you know, the whatever the situation is and I am. Right. But that's just what we as women take on on top of the working, on top of the child rearing, on all of that. And not to say that dads don't play a role. But I mean, there's a reason why there's a deadbeat dad policy in the United States that, I mean, I think it's interesting that they just called it the deadbeat dad policy. I think it might might just be in California. But I mean, it's because it's a true reason. Like, it's a real, real reason. And I'm seeing it in you know amongst you know my friends who are going through divorces and their dads are deadbeat dads like they are not showing up for their kids throughout the divorce they're not there to you know help they're not there to financially support they're not there to do anything so like now it's like you know the moms are working two jobs and taking care of the children full-time and while the dads are taken off now i know any man who's listening to this who is an amazing man an amazing father you know i'm not saying men are bad. That's not what I'm saying. But when you look at the statistics, the statistics say a lot,
0: you know, and
1: we need to, you know, within whatever movement, call it the feminist movement, the women's rights movement, the whatever movement, we need to have systems in place to support women to decompress.
0: Right. Because we do take on a lot. Right. Absolutely.
1: And to not have to feel like we have to be strong, but that's the thing with the course that, you know, what I'll be teaching is it's about being strong, but a different kind of strong. It's when you fuel your body with healing foods and nutrient dense foods that really only go to serve the body while that ultimately serves the brain. And when you are serving your complete system, your brain and your body collectively this way, you actually build a resilience. That means that you're still going to have all the same stressors, right? Your kids are going to get sick. You're going to lose your job. You're going to lose your apartment. You're going to lose all of this, but you actually will have the resiliency that it doesn't send us into a panic attack. It doesn't send us to bed and want to pull a blanket over our head. Um, The depression, it's, you know, you might've suffered from years of depression and um, instead it's like, You know, the traumas still keep coming because our world is full of traumas, full of stressors, but we actually, our brain will perceive them entirely different. We'll be able to problem solve faster, make better decisions that'll keep us away from dangerous situations. And I mean, we're not fighting dinosaurs on the streets, but we are fighting, you know, big, massive things like taxes that nobody can afford to pay job losses like that are happening, you know, income disparities that just seem to get be getting worse, that puts extra strain on the family, medical, you know, issues amongst family members. So those will always be there, but your body and your brain are just more resilient. So it doesn't send us um, spiraling downwards, you know, and what I love about your group is that it gives people that safe place to... Really say like, hey, I've, I'm hitting rock bottom. Like, it's so important for people to have that. And rock bottom is not a bad place to be. Like, a lot of people think that it's a terrible place, but it's not because it's often a place where you can get two feet firmly on the ground, and then you can jump from there. You can fly from there. And so right. this course is talking about that too. And so having your group that is so supportive, um, and has so much amazing information, and then having this course, and then we can merge the two. Um, we could help a lot of people. And you know, that's work that I've been doing with my clients. So to be able to bring that through into your amazing, beautiful community, like I feel just so blessed that um, we're partnering to do this, which is going to be, yeah, pretty amazing. So there's a question that I have, and this is coming from the Canadian border, US border perspective around the medical system. Um, so we see the news, we get very different news than you do in the States. And anytime I fly into the States and, you know, and I turn on the channel, we see a lot of ads for prescription medications. We don't Mm -hmm. see that in Canada. I think it's, it's actually illegal to show that. Whereas, yes. Whereas in the United States, it's like nonstop. It's either burger, fast food joint ads, or it's medicine ads. And I think they're the same people creating the same ads, right? Right. And so- how is that for your community members? Like, have you found that it's hard for your community members to get like medical attention? And if they do, like, what's the quality of it? Like, I just, I want that to be highlighted, you know, from an on the ground perspective, as opposed to sometimes what you see in a documentary, which might be a little bit one-sided
0: towards the, the uh, you know, the producer's viewpoint. Right. I think traditionally, um, and even with my own experience and that of my daughters, I think that um, I think that access to medical care is difficult in general. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's hard to get insurance. It's hard, you know, and so so many are uninsured, and as a result, either go without um, care altogether or are only go when it's an emergency type of situation. Um, And even then, oftentimes, people don't want to because then you walk away with the $25,000 bill for being in the ER for an hour. Um, And In addition to that, um, particularly for people of color, we're not heard. Um, When my daughter, after she'd given birth, to um my oldest granddaughter, um, I talked to the doctors because she was very um, swollen, and I was like, Why is she so swollen, and why is her heart beating so fast? and they were like oh well um, she's she just had a baby it's it's part of postpartum and i'm like, Well granted, it was a long time ago that I had a baby.' This doesn't seem as normal as you're saying it is. It doesn't feel very normal. Um, I mean, she was at least two times her size. She had so much fluid on her. And they actually released her from the hospital in that condition. Did they just, they think, she was, did they just think she was, like, overweight?
1: Or, like, what did they think about her? Like, they just thought that was normal?
0: They just thought it was normal. No, Even though I was saying this absolutely is not normal. She does not look like this on a day-to-day basis. Something is wrong. Her heart rate shouldn't be that high. Um, She also had to have a blood transfusion. Like, they just weren't connecting any of the pieces, and they weren't listening. Um, And she had developed a cough, and they were just kind of turning a blind eye to everything. And Mm. so they sent us home, and it was the first 24 hours all I could hear was her coughing all night long and she had gotten up and went and laid um or or sat up on the couch because that was the only way she could breathe Uh, because she had so much fluid in her lungs she was drowning when she was laying down and so I ended up taking her back to the ER to a different hospital and that's when she was diagnosed with the postpartum cardiomyopathy, and had I not have thought, "Okay, let me take her," like she would not have survived she would not yeah. because that she had that much fluid on her so I, I so I think it's a combination of those things. It's not having access to good health care, not having insurance and and if all of those things happen to be in place or whether they are or not we're just not listened to for some reason they think that our pain tolerance is higher or that i've had to tell i had uh, an allergic reaction to something the other day last week which led me to the doctors and my lips swell um a little bit underneath but the doctor couldn't see it i could see it and i could feel it and he was like well i don't think that it's that bad because there's no swelling and i said well there is and i lifted my lip but prior to that, he was like, yeah, well, you just don't seem very symptomatic. And I said, well, I'm 42 and I've been in this body for 42 years. So although you may not be able to see what I'm telling you, trust me when I tell you I know my body. And so then I lifted up my lip and he was like, oh, okay. Well, I could. Well, you didn't need to see it to hear me though. Mm-hmm. So... Um, I, I said, you know, I'm not trying to be rude. I said, but this often happens that you all just kind of dismiss a person because it doesn't add up the way you think that it should, but you have to give a person, um, you have to give them, um, you have to know that they know themselves, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And so that I can see how that, can happen time and time again, where people feel frustrated to the point where it's like, what's the point if I'm not heard in the first place? Um, And so, you know, and sometimes it's a life or death situation. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah. And then they're constantly, you know, drugs is the first thing that they push, you know, take this to... To, to, to cure this or take, but none of the drugs actually cure anything. They just mask it, mm-hmm. you know. They 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 trick your body into believing that something is doing something on this end, so that it doesn't react this way on that end. But it's not a true fix. Um, and so, yeah, the medical system, it's particularly in America, is just completely broken.
1: Yeah, there's. I mean, there's so much in what you said that definitely happens here as well, and I've experienced that firsthand with my one of my daughters, who we've been in the hospital with her because of something we still can't figure out. Um, But it's and and it's not from lack of trying. But I mean, we've had multiple doctors who've called to say, "Hey, I'm so sorry, I didn't listen to you the first time when you said this was what was wrong with her." So we have that. The only thing that I see is a little bit different is that we don't get sent home with the $25,000 bill. Mm -hmm. And that's the part that is, you know, that just scares me on so many levels because what do you do in that situation? Like what does one do when they have a $25,000 bill? Like that's a lot of money, even for people who make good money.
0: Yeah, it is. I mean, you, you act like you don't have a $25,0 bill. i mean what, what what else can you do it's like you can't squeeze blood out of a turnip so like, what can i do i had to come to the hospital you charged me a thousand dollars for an aspirin i mean you know yeah. what 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 can you do
1: yeah so we just had a family who um came to one of our retreats and they are from the states uh, United States and they and he came with his daughter, which I just loved. He was this big, beautiful man who was like six foot five, and you know, and he had his daughter there who was equally just as gorgeous and you know, but she really suffers from you know anxiety, depression, panic attacks, um and of course a lot of gut issues because the relationship between the gut and the brain is so connected, and so you know he came to our retreat to learn about food as medicine for his daughter but you know, we were going around the story and saying like, what are you going around the circle saying, what are the big stressors? And all the clients that were Canadian, not one of them had that financial stress from their illness. Like yes, from not working, but not from a bill. Whereas he was like, he spent $65,000 just on medications, for 65,000 wow. US, which is like add 30% of that, and that's Canadian is, you know, almost $100,000 last year on medications for his daughter. Wow. And he was like, And he was like, every pill was. Some of them were were worth eighty bucks, and I was like, "How can this be? Like, how do you operate in the U.S. when you have a sick kid?" And we've seen it. Like, we've seen documentaries where some parents just won't even go to the hospital with their kid because they don't want to get that bill. Right. Right. Yeah, and this is a big piece that does definitely needs to change. And I know in the United States, the way the news portrays socialism. Um, is being such a bad thing. Like when we're talking about let's socialize medicine, like we have in Canada. I'm like, but mm-hmm. socialized medicine is like actually like it is. We still have all the same problems. There's still long wait times. We still have doctors that ignore you and don't listen to what your complaints are. But we don't get sent home with a twenty five thousand dollar bill. Is um, right. Really, really just at, at which, the end of the day. So which makes a difference. <laughs> which makes a big difference because stress impacts the health, right? Absolutely. Like one of the biggest impactors to our health. So what I like about your group in Vegan Soul Sisters as well is because you are teaching that food is medicine, food is health, um, you know, we're teaching about plant-based whole food and you're doing it from this beautiful spectrum of like hey, just try one meal less without meat to, you know, the other extreme, mm-hmm. which is like the person who is eating all vegetables um, and that mm-hmm. are whole and that's nothing in a package. So you asked me when I said, hey, what's one question that you want me to address, you know, that we can chat about? And you said, um, you know, one of the questions that you get asked in the group is eating is, or isn't eat, or sorry, hold on is eating plant-based for everyone? So I wanna see what your response is to that question before I go and answer that question.
0: Um, so I think that if we are talking about um, eating primarily plant-based, yeah, everyone should definitely be doing that. Everyone should have fruits and vegetables every single day in abundance. Um, I think that at times there may be, and and I'm only speculating because I don't know, um, that there may be times where a person has some health things that doesn't support them being able to um, adhere to a completely whole food plant-based diet. But I don't know. Mm -hmm. So that's speculation. Right. Yeah, no, I think that's a
1: great end. I mean, you've... I love the way you have so much compassion in all your answers as well. And so I love that. And I mean, it's the same for me. Is eating plant-based for everyone? Um, You have to look at the whole situation, the context of it. Like I would never say to my grandmother in Africa, who's going, you know, it's been, thousands of years of tradition to have meat as a ceremony, I would never say, yes, you have to eat plant-based entirely. I'd be like, no, you enjoy whatever it is that is culturally appropriate, um, right. you know, because of the fact that they she had health, right? She didn't have disease. She didn't suffer from all these Western diseases. And either did either the, the villagers in the community as well. They just didn't see these Western illnesses that we see right. today. And so, you know, for them, I would say, of course, like, you're doing it right. And if you want to celebrate in, you know, if that's part of it, then of course um, the great, the w- only other thing that I would say is that, and I know you get asked this question a lot, like where's the protein mm. is like, probably one <laughs> of the biggest questions, but yeah. um, you know, so that's the thing is that, if you're stressed that there's not enough protein in there, if you're stressed that there's not enough nutrients in there, you can eat plant-based and have all the protein you need and have all the nutrients you need. Um, but it's hard to do it when it's on a packaged process diet to get nu- right. all those nutrients. So that's where if you're calling packaged, like plant-based foods, Plant based food or vegan food, then that's the only area that I'm like, okay, you need to get your nutrients. And sometimes, like a fortified packaged product, is going to have to be what it is if you're not going to get the nutrients directly from the source, like from the potato and the carrot and the collard greens and all of that. So, it's a complicated question to answer because of the fact that you have to look at the financial situation. Eating plant based is very cheap, you can literally just eat the potato. Mm
0: breakfast, lunch and
1: dinner, potatoes and collar right. and you know right. And you'd be healthy. Um and get uh, you know, you'd have enough protein, you'd have enough fats, healthy fats that originate from those foods. You'd have enough of the good carbohydrates. You'd have enough of the, you know, proper sugars. You'd have everything is it's well balanced food. So um so my response is generally yes eating plant-based and that's only because for thousands and thousands and millions of years that's what majority of humans on the planet ate and they were Mm disease-free and it was only when we started introducing you know animal fat animal meat in such large quantities Mm -hmm. and then the refined food in large quantities that we started to see the decline of our health in these chronic diseases come in so Mm -hmm. i think you and i are very much on the same page when it comes to that question Um, What do you, how do you respond when people are concerned about the protein in their food? Because I know that's the number one question every nutrition group gets. It
0: it is. And first of all, I don't know anyone who has gone to the doctor and their protein was low. (laughs) Like just (laughs) no one. So let's, let's unpack that first. Okay. Um, Second of all, you're getting your protein from the same place that steak got it from the plants that you eat, because the, you know, the biggest misconception is that you have to have animal protein to get protein, but it's recycled protein. Yeah. So why not just go to the source, you know, go to the source, get it from the source and you'll be okay. Um, And I, I always, you know, encourage people before transitioning, go see your doctor, whether it's a naturopathic doctor or a medical doctor, get your labs done, make sure you know where you are and do that every six months so that you are aware of what is going on with your body. That mm-hmm. way you can make the adjustments. Then you'll see, okay, my iron is low or this is low. Um, you know, you can pinpoint to, well, maybe I, I've been eating a little bit too much beyond meat burgers or beyond meat sausages or maybe your sodium levels are high. And so be proactive about it um, as you move through your transition and know where you are. And then you don't have to be afraid when, you know, you come into a group and someone is like, Oh my God, did you hear what they said about the hybrid crayon apple orange that they created in the lab with the scientists? <laughs> you don't have to be afraid of that because, You know where you stand individually, you know. um, That happens a lot. Um, So I'm always pointing out that you do know that that happens in nature, right? You do know that cross-pollination is a thing. Like, there's no mad scientist Mm -hmm. with a white coat on in the lab, like putting watermelon with mango and, like, you know. I mean, of course, there's so it's the whole education behind everything and there's so many different phrases and so many different things to understand and when you don't know you just don't know mm-hmm. and so when you don't know everything is um is um gmo everything mm-hmm. that was cross-pollinated everything that was that is not no longer in its normal state is gmo and so it's really getting people to understand and encouraging them to do the work for themselves, because there's so many um, so many people that uh, create this mass hysteria around things. And really, it's because they themselves don't know. And so we're just mm-hmm. passing along this knowledge that really isn't knowledge, because we don't even know where it came from in the first place. Like, we can't even cite the source. Exactly. And we're just like, yeah, this is... No, that's not a thing. did yeah. you even look that up? So... I'm I'm sorry I'm off. No, saying, that's but, but
1: it is true because you see with forty five thousand people you know members or more than that you you hear all the comments and all the questions and all the and there's no dumb question ever like I love that and you know right. you take it in right and so but you do see and you see the questions that come up over and over and over again where and I love how you started this off you're like. I have never met anyone who's protein deficient. And I mean, really, truly the only cases is if they're so sick and they like have cancer and they're end stage and that's a different scenario, you know, or if they're literally a malnutrition child in a country that has zero access to food. Like that's right. where, like they're just literally eating dirt maybe. Um, and th- then you see kids that are, are malnutrition. Um, but I mean, even in communities where the only access they have is the sweet potato or the yam, I mean, their nutrition status, their profile is good and they don't suffer from the diseases we suffer with, with the plentiful amount of protein we have and the plentiful amount of right. nutrients. So I think that was just a brilliant way to start off the answer to, but is there protein in plant-based food? Okay. So I think that this is a good place to end. Um, I can chat with you for hours. You are a wealth of information. And for anybody who wants to jump on to Vegan Soul Sisters, the um, link is going to be below in the show notes um, in the podcast episode when it comes out. And as well, if you want to jump onto this course that uh, Vegan Soul Sisters and um myself with the green mustache and richer health and Nicolette that we've created. Um, we want to let everybody know that Tamara started this group and she doesn't get paid to manage 45,000 members. Like she's the CEO of a massive business. And, but there's no money that comes in from the group other than like her amazing site where you sell the, uh, Soul Sisters, um, Amazing fanware. So you've got bags and hoodies, which I just ordered, t-shirts, um, all of that. So if anybody's listening to this, please support support Tamara by going to her website. We'll have the links below as well. And buy a reusable grocery bag, buy a hoodie, buy like her stuff is amazing and funny as well. You've got some really good t-shirts with some really good slogans on there. So um support Tamara and the amazing work she's doing to be able to just hold space for people who are transitioning into plant eating and a vegan lifestyle. So um, support her that way. And then anybody who wants to sign up for our course, it's going to be a course on mental health and all the steps that you need to take to be able to reverse depression, anxiety, panic attack disorders, um, and how to work with your doctor to help them understand what that's going to look like as you're transitioning your diet, that's going to be able to reverse that. Um, in the course, we're going to have Um, You know recipes that you're going to have access to. You're going to have access to a meal plan so you understand what it looks like. It's super simple. Um, And so it's the kind of thing that you're going to cook this food for yourself. You're going to cook it for your family, for your kids, so you can help them reverse their health as well. And um, it's going to be a super fun course, and it's going to be live. So we're going to be doing this live, and then we're going to support you afterwards with lots of resources. And we are going to be sharing the profits from this course, so all the course sales we're dividing in half and uh, supporting Vegan Soul Sisters and Tamara's amazing work, so she can get paid for the good work that you are doing. So sign up for that course. The link yeah. is going to be below, or above, or wherever it shows up on your uh, your accounts. So, any last words? Any last tips that you have for anybody there, Tamara?
0: Um, I will um, say what I generally say in the group, mind your plate. (laughs) Mm. I say mind your plate, um, because you give, give people permission to be where they are. Mm -hmm. And I think that we struggle with that. I think it's sometimes it's judgment Most of the time it's love and it's care and it's concern, but it gets misconstrued and it comes out wrong. Um, And so, but particularly for those that are judging, uh, you have less time to judge if you're focusing on what's right in front of you. Mm. Um, And not only that, we learn by example, no matter what we think You know, we know by, you know, people talking and people telling you things, but that's really not how we learn. We learn by the things that we see. We learn by example. So if I'm watching you, hmm, she's been doing that for a while. Hmm, she's lost a bit of weight. Her skin looks amazing. Wonder, hmm, okay. Well, she always comes with that for lunch. And then they try that at home they don't tell you that they tried it but they tried it and then they start a small conversation with you oh okay so she's vegan then they go home and they look it up but you're still minding your plate and in doing that you're teaching and you're giving someone permission to figure out how life works for them because it's an individual journey that we're all on we're all on an individual journey and through that individual journey We make connections with one another. But what do you want your connection to look like with someone else? What is the lasting impression that you want to have on someone? So mind your plate. That is beautiful. That
1: is the most eloquently said wrap up we've ever had on this show. And I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Thank you. I know that for all the listeners out there, um, I know that moved you as much as it moved me as well. And that is an important lesson for all of us. Mind your plate and just be the example. And that's how we change the world. Yep. Beautiful. Thank you Tamara for being on this show. Can't wait to launch the course with you. Um, For all the listeners out there, please sign up for and get your tickets to Collard Greens and Cord Bread, a soulful Wellness Experience. That's an event that Tamara is putting on in Georgia. So get physical, like build that community, get in person with everybody so that you can form your communities face to face as well as online. So thanks Tamara. We're going to chat with you and have you on the show again soon. Thank you. Bye everyone. Bye bye. So how did you enjoy that show? Is she not just one of the most inspiring and incredible women? She is grounded. She is real. She is human. She is nurturing. She's like the mama bear And the angel all rolled up in one human physical form. Um, I knew immediately when I joined Vegan Soul Sisters, I literally fell in love with the group and I truly did find it to be a place where you could just be, there was no judgment, there was no oppression, repression, suppression, uh, depression of anybody's ideas and thoughts around food. And it was just such a liberating place to be where it didn't matter what stage you were in your journey of discovering food as medicine or even just discovering that there is a lifestyle called vegan. Um, even if, like you said, you're just gnawing on your chicken bone and uh, and you are getting curious and doing some research on what it means to give up the dairy, give up the meat, give up the animal products. So this is a place for you to join 100%. Let's grow her community And last and not not least, sign up for the course that we are going to be doing on the Vegan Soul Sisters site, because this is going to be a live event that you can join. And we're going to be giving half of all the revenue to Vegan Soul Sisters, because this woman has been working relentlessly. She has been um, on this mission for the last two years with the Vegan Soul Sisters, and you know, she doesn't make money from it. So how many people do you meet in the world that do full-time work and don't get paid? Not very many. And that's why she's also such a source of inspiration. So let's all work together to create an income for Tamara Carrington and her family. And let's do it to say thank you and to show gratitude for the incredible human being that she is and what she has brought to the African-American community and to the community of all women of color everywhere in the world that she has attracted. So share this podcast. Let's grow her community. Let's raise some money for her. And let's hop on that 22 million ride campaign, our 22 million strong campaign so that we can support the education that food is medicine and medicine is food. So as Tamara said, mind your plate go out there and enjoy your day and we'll see you for the next Eat Real to Heal podcast. Bye for now.